Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. (laughs) Now you're going to laugh whenever you say it. I know, (laughs) but I feel like I have to now. Holly. (laughs) How are you? Doing good. How are you? Taking a drink. I was taking a sip. Um, I am good. Um, I'm feeling much more organized these days. Um, Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I've been very busy, which is nothing new, but it kind of got to a point where like, you know, you just like run out of fuel right like like i'm good at being busy i'm good at like being productive time management like i'm good at all these things but i haven't had a break in a while and i don't have like a break in sight necessarily right yeah Yeah. at least not a long one so i just was kind of floundering and then you've always been really good at schedule you know we were talking about just like podcast responsibilities and stuff and i was like i feel like i need to like tap into how Holly organizes her life a bit. Um, And so we talked about that and I made myself like, you know, weekly schedule with like time blocks and like mixing up like work and the studio and even personal stuff and just like actually carving out what I needed to accomplish within a week. Yeah. Like, can you know, it can flux around, you know, maybe I don't do something. It can flow to the other week. Maybe I finished something early you know, and can treat myself because I finished it early. Mm-hmm. And like over the past couple, I guess like week and a half or whatever, it's been very helpful. So that's what, that's pretty much what I did last weekend was just catch up on stuff in life and make a schedule so that going into the weeks now, I just feel way more organized and like, yeah, I was overwhelmed. Like I know that it's a simple thing to like make a schedule and carve it out, but I've never been that person. Well, it's the thing I think people don't understand is that that is a skill that's learned. It's not something you're born with or not. Like, yeah, you may have like an innate aversion to planning or being organized or whatever, but that it's just a skill. So it's like, if you haven't exercised that skill, or if that seems overwhelming, like I know a lot of people that don't mess with a schedule for one reason or another, but, and there's been times in my life when I maybe relied on it more than others, but I've always been somebody that's like really busy, you know, really in college, I think is because it's like, I had a full-time job. I also went to school and I also was like writing for the paper. So it was like, I started blocking off and even like my Sunday, like that was the only day I didn't work. So I was like, okay, I have this day off quote unquote, but like I have to do all my schoolwork pretty much on that day. So I think that's kind of where it started. And then over the years, I tried like an electronic planner and that didn't work for me. I know it works for like, I think you're using like a spreadsheet. Um, I still use a paper planner and it's funny because I actually didn't realize that 
I was so, I knew I was reliant on it, but I remember like a couple years ago for Christmas, I asked for a planner and I was not specific in the type of planner that I asked for <laughs> or whatever. And I got it. And my, my mom, like she bought me a planner and it was a cute planner, but like I opened it up and there were no dates on it. It was like oh one God. where you could put them in yourself. And I lost my mind. Like I was like, where the fuck are the dates? Like, and it was then I realized that like, okay, I, I've become that person. Uh, and you know what? I don't care. I don't care if I'm a yeah. fucking monster. Like this is what works for me. And like, I schedule pretty much not every minute of my day, but like when I wake up, I put literally wake up at, on my planner, wake up, coffee, journal, read, all that shit is on my planner because then I at least know when I can allow myself to do something. Like I feel like without setting those parameters, I would just sit and journal for hours, you know, until I had to go to work or whatever. And so even in my work day, I know it has to happen sometimes, but like, I'm a real stickler about like last minute meetings. Like I personally like to go into my day, knowing everything that I have to do, knowing every meeting that I have to be at. So like, I'm trying to get more flexible with that. But like, for me, I like to go to bed knowing like what is on the plan for the next day so that I can, can I have a glass of wine? We were just talking about that. Do I have an 8 a.m. meeting? Yes. Okay. Probably not having the glass of wine or whatever. So... I feel like when you set boundaries, a schedule, you set yourself free. (laughs) Speaking of, I feel like we need to schedule some shopping because I was telling you about that party that my mom was throwing at the end of September. Oh, yeah, you need. And I kind of want to get like a linen outfit for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So TBD. I'll, I'll, I'll look at some weekends and maybe we can go thrifting because i still need to go thrifting. yeah right i was like are we yeah. gonna try and get an eco-friendly yes outfit? yes yes that's what i want to do yes oh wow okay okay challenge accepted yeah yeah um well, what's you? yeah so i had a moment <laughs> i i had a moment because this week i don't think i've told my mom this but i i don't tell anybody this really but I have my Etsy shop and I love working on stuff for that. However, I am a little bit competitive. Like I'm realizing, you know, and I think, I think platforms like Etsy sort of bring, bring out that nature, even if you're not somebody who's competitive, because it's like, you have to become good at getting the tags right on your listing, getting the description right. Like, because if your stuff is not showing up in search, you're not going to sell your stuff. So that's kind of how my shop started was like, I was wanting to create this passive income, but I also was like, I'll use my SEO skills to get myself to show up in listing, like in search. And um, it has been working for me. Like I hit 500 sales last week. Uh, I'm so thrilled with like the amount of traffic that I get, like the, the, the money that the shop is breaking in, like customers messaging me, like, I love it. But I will say 
I do keep a little bit of tabs on my search competitors. So every, probably about once a week, I'll just take a little look and see who else is making like my big seller in the shop are bucket lists. I have like 70 different bucket lists right now. And they're really just sort of like graphic looking checklists that people can print off or use digitally. And it's like, if you want to get like a fall bucket list, like things you would do in the fall, it's just like a cute little thing. Yeah. So sometimes I'll just be like, who else is coming up in the search for the fall bucket list? Obviously I did not invent a bucket list. I did not invent that term. I did not invent this idea of it. I wasn't the first person to put it on Etsy. So usually what I see in terms of like my search competition is stuff that is like, nothing that gives me like a pit in my stomach, like nothing that I'm like, Oh, this is somebody coming for me until until this week. Oh my God. I'm eager to hear. (laughs) (laughs) This is so silly, but it's not because like, it's my business, you know? So I clicked on. And so right when you, so if you're shopping on Etsy, like let's say you click on something like the fall bucket list, when you keep scrolling down on that same page, it'll say other items from this shop and it'll have pictures of other stuff from, from my shop. But then if you keep scrolling, it'll say like other viewers also liked and then like similar items, or you may also like whatever. Yeah. So the first row is a line of, ads so other shop owners have paid for that and then below that is organic stuff so in the paid there was one listing that looked very similar to one of the best-selling items i have in my shop and she her style of bucket list is different than mine like the actual way her bucket list was laid out was not the same as mine but the font she used for the top and like the where it says like fall bucket list looks nearly identical and her her listing like I have several listings that are like quote-unquote value packs where it's like a pack of four bucket lists and those are what people buy they usually don't sometimes people will buy a single but they'll pay more for the value pack so she had a value pack same one that i have and she called it like the same thing like she used like the exact same keywords which if you do the keyword research like that's probably if we're gonna say she wasn't copying mine she just put it from that i looked at this thing i i was like hmm interesting so i click on that so then i'm like kind of getting a little like irked when I'm looking at it I'm like okay and then I looked at her whole shop like what else is this person selling she's from New Orleans and I'm like okay and she had all kind of random like she probably had like 40 listings in her shop and it was nothing consistent it's like a few stickers a few pair of earrings a wreath about six or seven bucket lists all of them just so happened to be the same ones I offer in my shop New Orleans bucket list, self-care bucket list, cozy bucket list. And on some level, I'm like, okay, her shop's in New Orleans. She has a New Orleans bucket list, like BFD. But I'm like, self-care bucket list, cozy bucket list, rainy day bucket list. Like, where'd you get that? Suspicious. Right? I'm like, something is a little off. And on Etsy, you can see like, 
again, the listings, um, how many sales a person has made and like how many reviews they had. And so she had like 40 listings. She had like 18 sales and like three reviews. And I'm like, okay. I had to be like, okay, Holly, let's reel it in. This person has made 18 sales. Like, it's still something that, like, I'm not settled with totally, but I feel like, okay, this is a moment where you just need to, like, exit out of this page (laughs) (laughs) and focus on your own path. Like, this is, like, do I really think that she is a competitor? That's what I kept having to ask myself. Like, all day I was kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, no, our bucket list look different. If someone is interested in my style, they're not going to be interested in hers and vice versa. If they like hers, they wouldn't like mine. Yeah. But it does just bother me so much that the fonts and the look of the listing were so similar because when it comes down to it, it's like, this is sales and this is our, these are our shops, you know? Yeah. And just sort of for like, I think that is a huge problem on Etsy. Like I think people take ideas from people all the time. Oh, and sure. Yeah. And you're pretty much left to your own resources. Like Etsy does have a way to report like a possible intellectual property theft, but it's like, then you have to go through all this. Like I, you know, I can see when she made it and she made it after mine. So it's like, I have that in my favor, but like, I don't have a legal document saying when I created this idea or why I think it looks similar or whatever. And it honestly sounds kind of petty when you really step back and think about it, you know, but it's just one of those moments where I felt like I was like, okay, this is, this is a time when you just got to like, keep it moving. Keep it because I'm like, I have worked so hard to fill the shop and get my own traffic and get my own people coming and, I've really done that by like flooding the market of bucket lists. Like I was telling my mom, I'm like, (laughs) yes, when I do these little competitive checks or whatever you want to call them, this is the first time I've seen something that made me feel a little bit like, oh my gosh. But I also saw that like when you search bucket lists on Etsy, 15 of the listings like on that first page are mine because I'm totally, I have so many bucket lists. Yeah. And I also think it has to do with like other stuff, like you, you know, responding to messages and how many sales you get and things of that nature too. But it's just one of those things. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it's an Etsy shop or a blog or a whole freaking business. Like people copy off each other all the time. Right. We're keeping an eye on you, girl. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, though, I've also been watching, I, I'm trying to watch more scripted uh, like TV and movie for the sake of, you know, screenwriting yeah. purposes. Yeah. So not only did I start watching Seinfeld from episode one, which I'm, okay. I just finished season five today. Damn. Yeah. I've been plowing through them. And I also, I've been wanting to watch season two of the bear because I watched season one uh, when it came out last year, or whenever it came out. Did you watch the bear? No, I was about to Google it. I don't even know what that is. Okay. So the bear is, it was on FX. So it's on Hulu. It is about a chef. So season one, 
Carmi is your main character and he's a chef. He is like a very, like a Michelin star chef. And he inherits a restaurant called The Beef, which is in Chicago because his brother, and this is no spoilers, his brother like tragically committed suicide and left the restaurant. It's a family restaurant, left the restaurant to Carmi. But it's like in shambles. Like this restaurant is, it's just one of these like neighborhood hole in the wall. They sell like, French dip sandwiches, something of that nature, spaghetti, like Italian. So he is trying to like save the restaurant, save the finances, save the family. And season one is just, if you've ever worked in food service, like I think that that's one of the reasons why it was so popular. Like people, because it captures life in food service so much, like it's stressful to watch because they're all just yelling at each other constantly. And he is just like a mess. And all the people that work there are a mess. So it, it, everyone was like obsessed with it, doing like the yes chef. People were, and people were obsessed with Carmi, <laughs> like he's so hot. And I, I watched season one while I was doing jury duty. Like I would come home and watch that. And I don't know if that had anything to do with like my take on season one. I didn't love it. I thought it was good, but I was like, it's not worth like all this hype that people are giving it. Like there were so many problems in terms of like the story and we were missing so much information. And I was just sort of like, it wrapped up pretty nicely at the end. So I was like, okay, no need for a season two. So when they came out with a season two, I was like, this is a cash grab, but I was going to watch it. Cause I was like, let's see what they do. So I rewatched season one over the weekend so then I could go into season two and season two I watched all of it almost in one sitting wow season two has so much more backstory like it almost could could have been season one I feel Mm -hmm. like and they go so much into the people that work at the restaurant like they go everyone gets a backstory everyone gets their own line so it's like now we're so involved like in these people's lives whereas like in the first season there's really none of that (laughs) there's even like a little love story with Carmi which I just lost my mind I was like oh my god this is fantastic (laughs) so I I still wouldn't say it's like perfection. Like there's one entire episode that I felt like I was just watching it like with my chest tight because it's still such a, yeah, such a hard show to watch. Like you're dealing with a mental illness. You're dealing with life at a restaurant. You're dealing with financial insecurity, people yelling at each other constantly. Like it's, they have all these scenes where it's like, the receipts for the food orders just clicking out of the thing and people yelling at each other and customers saying, I want this, I want that. And it's just like, it's chaos. But I do think season one was so much better than season two. And so now I'm like, okay, well, they can't stop now because we're invested. So I haven't really talked to anyone that's watched the whole season two yet. So if anyone listening has watched it. I would love to see what people think of of this of this one because it was so different than the first season, but it was good. I'll have to go check it out. Um, I feel like now that I see like the, I guess the cover for it, it looks familiar, and I just never it just never popped up on stuff that I should watch, but it looks good, and I like the cast. I recognize a few of the cast members. But yeah, I, it was good. So I just feel like I've been watching so much TV. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have been too. I just wrapped up like a horror series. So like, you know, I love horror movies like Scream and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, more like campy horror, not like, I don't know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's not my vibe, but like, you know, campy horror that's like, you know, kind of silly and like unnecessarily gory and just like, you know. Yeah. Like slash. But it also has a plot to it and like twists yeah. and turns. So there was this series on Netflix that I really enjoyed called Slasher. And there were three seasons on Netflix. And I thought the show was canceled after that. And I just ended up rewatching it because what's great about me is I have really poor memory. So I can <laughs> <laughs> I can rewatch something and it could have like the craziest ending. Like, and I just completely forget who the murderer is, you know? So I can like, <laughs> I can, like enjoy something all over again and be just as surprised. Um, it's ridiculous. And so I rewatched, you know, the first three seasons and then, you know, I was Googling like cast members, like to see who they were, you know, and it was like season four, season five of Slasher. And I was like, what? And it turns out just a different production company picked it up. Right. And so on Apple Mm -hmm. TV, season four and season five was available. So I just enjoyed those as well. Oh, wow. It switched. Yeah. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so I don't know if they're coming out with more seasons, but if you like horror, Slasher's great. It's very interesting because, like, each season is a different horror story. Okay, yeah. But they alternate cast members throughout all the seasons. So it's really cool because, like, you know, some of the cast members from season one may not be in season two, but then they're in season three is completely different characters. Hmm. And so it's just cool to see these characters play different people. Like in season one may have been the murderer season four, you know, one of the good guy sidekicks, right? Like it's, it's okay, okay. interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> it's cool how they kind of weave care, like weave actors in and out of characters, depending on the season. I thought yeah. It was yeah. So, and always a good plot line, and definitely hard to guess who the killer is. Well, that's always good. Yeah, yeah. But there's enough hints to like usually figure out. If you're good at figuring out who the killer is, I'm not. Um, you can figure it out. So me, I'm always just like, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, there we go. Two good TV recommendations. That's great. Yeah. Well, our our host or not our host our guests <laughs> we're the host holly yeah. uh, our guest this week we really enjoyed so it's aaron with roran or what is roran on socials who we've kind of just known through social media you know she's been a big supporter of the podcast listen to all of our episodes which is is very sweet mm-hmm. um, and so we've just kind of been i guess social media friends she's good friends with fallon who was our very first episode yeah we had her on this week and it was a really fun episode it was another fashion episode but also more from a sustainable you know standpoint Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting to just hear her story and and how things came to be and how it's been a long journey you know um because it doesn't have to be something that happens overnight you know um so it was cool to hear how, like, you know, since 
college days or before, you know, this has been a dream of hers and it's evolved, you know, it kind of, you know, something doesn't work, shift, shift gears, you know? So I thought her story was really cool. One thing that resonated with me was like, she was kind of talking about growing up, like how um, both of her grandmothers were seamstresses or like, you know, enjoyed sewing and taught her how to sew. And I didn't talk about it in the podcast just because we were talking about so many things, but like growing up, my mother's mother was always sewing. She's, she's always been, you know, the sewing machine and doing stuff and like fixing stuff for us. And I was always like interested in like how it works, you know, but as like a boy, right. in Southern Louisiana, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was allowed to like ask, show me how to do that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just like, I, I felt just like a, I don't know what the word is, but I just felt like a missed opportunity to learn sewing because it's a cool skill to have, even for like, you yeah. know, patching up shit. Like, I have yeah. no idea how to even put a fucking button back on, you know? So like, yeah, it that was very cool that she got to have that experience. And I was like, man, I wish I could go <laughs> and do that ever again, you know? Yeah. So, fuck societal norms. yeah I think um it's interesting to talk with Aaron because you know we've been trying to fill our guest roster lately and you know finding businesses that align with our mission here on the podcast and I think one thing that's really important to me when I'm looking for a guest is like do these people have something to say you know there's so many entrepreneurs out there so many people that own a business for one reason or another and so many people that are representing minority groups or marginalized groups but still I think at the end of it like we we want somebody who has a perspective that people can relate to when they listen to it and so um even though Erin was like on our radar, it really wasn't until she started posting these sort of transparent conversations on her Instagram that I was like, okay, wow. Like she, she has more to talk about than what she actually does, which again, I don't want to like discount her skill. Uh, But I just feel like we see so many talented people, like we, as in just like generally society, um, not like me and you, there's so many talented people out there and I definitely know, like, I want to hear from people that have been on a journey and like, they have something to say. So mm-hmm. uh, it felt like the right time to, to bring her on. And I'm, I'm glad she was excited to come on and, and share with us. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good to hear. And so at what is Roran and that's R O R I N. Yeah. Go check out her I guess testimonials. I don't know what you would call it, but just like just being like real, you know? Weekly, yeah, she's on like weekly chats or something. Yeah, they're they're really inspiring, um, really uplifting. Aaron said, if you need a hype girl, hit her up. Um, yeah. And there was one today I commented and I said, thank you. I need to hear that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's just like, it's really nice to see people be real. And we have a conversation in the podcast episode about like, how much is too much of that? And like, you know, things like that. So it's like, it's an interesting time that we live in. Cause it's like, do you want to be super curated or just completely real is, is one too much, you know? So it was a cool conversation, obviously about fashion, but kind of about just how we present ourselves as entrepreneurs. Yeah. 
Yeah. So cool. Well, y'all are in for a treat. Y'all enjoy. Hi, Aaron. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I listen every week. Holly said that. That's so sweet. Like, oh That's so nice. Well, your your first guest was is my best friend. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, yeah, we love Fallon. <laughs> Gotta support the, the whole tribe. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. We do love Fallon. I've known Fallon since since college. That's where I met her, I was in college. Um, yes. y'all did too. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Well, cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Um and yeah, I I feel like we already kind of knew each other because we've been social media friends for a bit. And thanks for following the pod and you know listening to all the episodes. I hope you enjoyed them. And it was great, good practice at least for you to hop on here. You already know what to expect. So <laughs> I won't be surprised. <laughs> well, the important question is, what are you drinking? If you're drinking anything, it's okay if you're not. So I quit drinking about a year, a year ago. Um, I stopped drinking like health stuff and I learned a lot about myself in the process, but so I made a mocktail and I did a, uh, like a homemade ginger beer. So like sparkling water with like a honey ginger syrup with, I did watermelon and mint. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's in my grandmother's glassware. So that looks so good. That sounds so refreshing. It's really good. (laughs) It would be great with vodka too, though. <laughs> yeah, like a mule with the ginger beer. Yeah, definitely. Drinking. Holly, you go first. You already know what I'm drinking. Yeah, I'm actually going alcohol free also. I'm having an alcohol removed white blend. Ooh. So it is the taste of wine, but no buzz over here. <laughs> is it good? I love it. Yeah, I tried. Um, the brand is Sip Clean. If anyone listening is interested, it's like this is not the only brand that does it, but this is just the only one I've tried. So it's actual wine that's fermented, har- like harvested, fermented, just like every other wine, but the alcohol is spun out of it. So you're still getting like a whatever varietal you want. So this particular brand, um, female owned and operated, which I love, but I actually like. I told my mom for my birthday over the summer that I was like dabbling in non-alcoholic beverages. So I asked for like sampler packs of different stuff. And so I got a sampler pack of this and they have the white blend and the rosé and they're both good, but I really just thought the rosé was like, okay, this, I like love drinking it. I even took it with me on the writer's retreat and other people drink it. And they were like, I can't believe this, this is non-alcoholic wine so I really do like it I think there's another brand called I want to say Shirley because this you have to buy online which is kind of annoying but I saw I think it's called Shirley I saw that like at Sprouts and I think it's pretty similar so that's crazy I'll have to check out non-alcoholic wines because like half the reason I drank wine is because I actually like the taste Mm -hmm. Some good ones too. There's like the Busty Lush, um, non-alcoholic. I think they do like beers and non-alcoholic, like different types of beverages, but they're really mm-hmm. good. And a friend of mine, Chambers, is the artist on all the cans, and it's so good. Like, what is it called again? Busty, Busty Lush. Lush. Mm-hmm. 
I'll look at it because I am always like looking. I've got a good non-alcoholic beer that I like, but um, my thing is like now, I mean, we have more of the warmer temps to go, but like I usually don't drink chilled wine like once we hit, you know, fall and winter. So I'm kind of like, is there a good non-alcoholic red? I I don't, I just haven't gotten there yet. So we'll see. Yeah, keep me posted. Well, we know I have my red wine. Um, <laughs> what kind? Every week I know. <laughs> tonight is um, Chloe. So if, if anyone listening, oh, yeah. you know, we, we talked to um, Sip and Share Wines. I guess that was the most recent episode, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, she gave a few staples. Chloe is kind of my staple. Like, it's vegan. And they have really good Pinot Noirs and um, Cabernets. I mean, it's basic, you know, kind of like Josh Cabernet I was drinking last week. Um, but Chloe is another staple of mine. And I know I can trust that it's vegan. So, yeah, yeah tonight, got it from the gas station. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's always good to have ones where it's like, if you do have to go to the gas station or yeah. like a random liquor store, you're just like, okay, I know this is good. Right. And yeah. aesthetically pleasing for a gas station, I got to say. <laughs> Our gas stations have decent wine. That's interesting. They have like, it, it looks kind of like, um, you know, whenever you go into a Walgreens and they have their wine shelf, like that's how much wine this gas station has. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. impressive. This is Austin. It's in Maynard, which is like podunk outside of Austin. So it was kind of surprising. I lived in Fredericksburg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here to talk about you. So yeah. unintended. And that's what did you hear my cheesy joke? I said, pun intended, what is roaring? Um, <laughs> I know, I don't want to throw, I'll throw you all Your backstory, like I, I saw that you're from New Orleans. I saw that you went to LSU, so we can talk about that because I was in the textile merchandising um, program for like two semesters. Um, but I would just love to hear your backstory and then, you know, how, how roaring came to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, plot twist, actually another small business that I started earlier this year. Yeah. So, you know, okay. I'm sure I've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, and let's I, know, talk about that too. I, know, I know Holly wants to touch base on some of the things that I've been discussing on my Instagram, which I'm really, it's really important things. So gosh, I mean, I've been sewing since I was like eight years old. My grandma, both my grandmothers taught me to sew and making Barbie's clothes or, you know, doing all the things and, you know, fixing cabbage patch hair, you know, y'all remember the cabbage patch kids, yeah. the crimped hair, you know, yeah. <laughs> learning all the things and how to put things together for. So, yeah. So I learned to sew at a young age. Um, my grandmothers were very different. My mom's mom was like very nurturing homemaker, you know, it was about tailoring and the details. And then my my dad's mom was definitely more of that like socialite where we would make Barbie's skirts really short. And then my other grandmother would make Barbie's skirts a little bit longer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I got like the best of both worlds. And like during the summers when my parents were working and me and my sister would be, you know, hanging out with our grandparents during some of those days. And so we had a lot, I, I got a lot of like creativity and my, my dad's mom was also an artist. She painted a lot. And um, it probably definitely one of those fueling things that 
inspired me to keep going. And I've never, I'm very fortunate to where um, I've always been creatively supported, you know, like do like, I was never hindered to not be creative, you know? So it was like very blessed in that way, like grateful in that way. So, yeah. So that's like what sparks all my creativity, right? Like growing up that way, I think was one thing I you know, grew up on the North shore of New Orleans. And I mean, I was born in New Orleans, but, you know, grew up on the North shore. I went to LSU, left LSU, went to North Carolina after Hurricane Katrina. (laughs) And then I went back to LSU and um, graduated in the uh, apparel. I, I graduated in apparel design with a minor in business. Okay. And fun fact, my business elective of of choice was a web design course learning CSS and script and all of that, which was, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) So it's still the same, at least in that sense. I tried starting a clothing line, like straight at it, like in college. I was like, I'm going to do this with with a friend of mine. And um, we failed miserably. (laughs) (laughs) not knowing anything we lost stuff because we didn't you know ensure a package of like a ton of fabric that we had custom made and it got lost never to be seen again and we were like well that's out the window and uh lost a ton of money and you know both of us were in retail at the time and and so it was like well this sucks but moving on. But in that time frame, when we were like doing photo shoots and I was making all the samples for the clothes, I had this idea for a handbag. And I was like, Hey, I have this like cool idea. And I couldn't figure it out. I found a seamstress to help me. Cause I mean, I'm always a figure it out, do it yourself thing, but I was really struggling with pattern, the pattern on it and, um, and how to actually assemble it. And it was my dual compartment clutch. So it's like one flat clutch with two different pockets and, um, basically trying to <laughs> figure out how to make a molehill out of a mountain. Cause it was very challenging. You know, it was literally the reverse, like trying to flatten something and it was nuts. So, um, once I got it figured out, I kind of, ran with it, started using it in photo shoots and I've always carried it. And, you know, like we were going to, like, I was going to visit Rory, my husband in Europe. And I like through the process, like, Oh my God, like this can clip here to keep anybody from trying to dig in that back pocket when you're traveling or like, and it kind of just kept, you know, and then I've always made them right. Like I didn't really formally make it a business until probably closer I mean, I created the concept back in 2010 uh-huh. and started figuring out how to make it in 2010. I didn't make Roar in a business till like 2015. And uh-huh. in that time frame, I was just doing custom work. Then I tried doing, when I say I failed a million times, y'all, like I failed a million times and I'm still failing. It's great. And, uh, <laughs> and I basically decided, oh, I'm going to try and make these. And that was when I met my like amazing production team in New Orleans that I worked with for a while. Um, they're still there doing an amazing thing and things. And she teaches all kinds of classes. And um, and then they also, between her and Annie Moran, they taught me a lot of like how to make bags. Cause like I didn't learn to make bags. Uh-huh. I, and I learned the in, in, ins and outs through that. And then through that process, I've also learned saddle stitching through, um, God, that was, I mean, that was even like 10 years ago, former um, Hermes Atelier 
learning how to saddle stitch by hand, which Mm -hmm. is what I know now. And I've taken many other courses through many other people. um, But this person is a family, an old family friend um, who has since passed. And so I've learned a lot of different things in that process. And then to like full circle now, 2019, I was working for an interior designer and I had the opportunity to leave that job, even though I did love it. And she was like, amazing. So grateful for her. I had the opportunity to leave my job to focus and try to make Roran like a full-time thing after like failing a million times. (laughs) And I, I don't know. I did it. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) And I, the thing I was doing brand management for this interior designer, like developing logos and helping her create different concepts for her business. And so I was like, okay, I had some financial, a little financial boost so that I could quit my job to do this. But I'm like, well, who knows how long this is going to go on and like how I, I couldn't get everybody was out of the production. The production team was out. How was I supposed to yeah. you know, I didn't have machines at the time? You know, it just turned into, okay, well, I'm going to start freelancing clients for graphic design and web design while trying to get Roran going, get bags made, get things figured out, learn the ins and outs of this industry and that industry. How can I make this work? And I'm very much a, a doer and figuring it out. So through that process though, I also completely altered my mindset. I so hard wanted to be a luxury handbag brand. Yeah. Guess what? Not anymore. I do not want to be any part of the fashion industry. It's been very toxic, um, hard. It's mean. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And it took going through the pandemic and realizing that, like, I want to shift. How do I want to shift and now it's like, I, I work with leather. I am an artist and that is what I, I want to do with that, you know? And so I don't know. And here I am now it's like, I literally make everything. I try to prioritize saddle stitching as much as I can, but to make it accessible, I work on sewing machines as well. Like I have sewing machines in my studio here and I also create like different types of art like hanging wall arts and um using leather as my medium and paint you know and then trying to make the handbags each piece unique and special in its own way yeah that's where i'm at now (laughs) so roaring is like a lifelong story because i've been doing it for like 15 years Yeah. (laughs) yeah but i feel like a lot of like i mean you cannot be alone in that in that journey like it's just that's how it is you know you just have to change and and work with what you have literally. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I think is, you know, essentially Roran is so much more, right? Even though like the name is funny enough, it's it's me and my husband's name combined, right? Like we used to always joke like, okay, when we win the lottery, it's gonna be like our yacht name. <laughs> when you said it was like our internet code you know like when we moved in together and stuff like roaring right it's our celebrity our celebrity couple name yeah um it just kind of stuck over the years and i've always used it he's literally the biggest support system in the world nothing to do with my business (laughs) so interesting about 
how you decided like your, you know, when you said originally like your plan was you and your friend were going to create this clothing line and then down way down the road, you're like, I wanted to be a luxury handbag line. And then I decided I didn't. What struck me about that is like this idea of um, like when you have a dream and then either you try it and it doesn't work or like you change your mind for whatever reason. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I know for me like that is one of my biggest fears. Like it's happened to everybody and like it's happened to me, but because like we all have this idea of like whatever something is going to be like. But I just hate that because I think I'm just such a dreamer that it's like when you find out the reality, like, for example, when I was really young, I wanted to work at a magazine like growing up. That was like all I wanted to do was work at a fashion magazine. And then as I went to college and I just didn't want to do that anymore. But even still, like the more you find out about it, it's like even now when I don't know, I think it was during the pandemic, like all that news came out about how the Teen Vogue editor was like super racist and like stuff like that. And I was like, wow glad I never did that even though that opportunity was never presented to me it was just sort of like oh wow there's another like dream that was dashed have you ever had a human design reading done so, oh that's right y'all y'all had a guest on here so one of my things as like part of my human design and I think this is why for some people it's hard some people it's not like I, I mean, there's fear around everything I do, but like, I have no problem giving myself the permission to do it anyways. And like, and I think like, there's a level of fear, like I'll get scared, I get nervous or whatever. And I always have that little like feeling of doubt in the back of my mind. But like, I like, what if I, if I don't do it is like my bigger thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I have tattoos, you know, like, well, what, what if I, what if I regret not doing it? And that's kind of like, one of my things, you know, like I'd, I'd rather regret doing it than not doing it, you know? And so my human design was like, I'm super white all around. My friend Elizabeth did the, the reading and I'm super white all around. And then my heart and my throat are very purple. And so I am like, like, like uber creative, but I'm very, very open. I'm open. I feel what everyone else feels and I'm, you know, very empathic in that way. But like, I am open for everyone, which is a good thing and a bad thing, right? <laughs> so my boundaries are like <laughs> non-existent. Uh, so, but I think that's one of the reasons why is because I I feel that just being open, creative, that chance for anything to happen, I just never, I never want to regret not doing it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the thing. Although I think that the only thing that that doesn't work for is children. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's only fair. opposite. We're gonna go for it. Now. <laughs> I don't want to regret having a child. You know. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, I I think it does come down to like giving yourself that permission and that grace to leap and try it anyways. Like. I, I think I talked about it last week a little bit on my Instagram. I was talking about inconsistency versus creativity. And I feel like, I mean, I'm kind of, it, it, if you look at it, I try to keep it as curated and as organized and clean as possible, but essentially I'm doing like multiple things. And I truly believe that I am like a multifaceted or a multidisciplinary creative. And I don't, that doesn't define me, you know, it doesn't make, to me, I don't, I'm not inconsistent, but 
I don't care. That's the thing. (laughs) I gave myself permission to do that. And I'm happy with that, you know, like, and I'm, I'm grateful to do it. I'm grateful to try, especially like, I mean, look, I'm signed up for a photography class. I'm like, photography could be in the lineup one day. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not one to like start embroidering or anything. I, there's some things that are just not for me. I, I, that love, there's certain levels of focus that aren't for me, but, um, cause I'm always fascinated by things like, like embroidery and like the tufting. Have you ever seen like when people do like the tapestries and stuff like gorgeous, but I don't know if I could do all that. <laughs> I, I, I want to know what your human design profile is. I'm a projector. Like a, okay. or a projector. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. a manifester and Holly, you're a generator, right? I think it was two things, but yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm an emotional manifester and then you're, you know, cause there's that piece to it as well. Well, and that I actually am just a classic projector. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah apparently I don't. Um, and I guess it's because of my like open detail. Gotcha. I okay. I have my recording. It's so good. I listened to it a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is great. So you mentioned accessibility with the, um, you were talking about sewing versus saddle stitching, I think. By accessibility, you mean affordability, I'm assuming? Because mm-hmm. saddle yeah. stitching probably takes a lot longer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm clueless whenever it comes to this shit, so. <laughs> saddle stitching, um, you essentially take, it's uh, one piece of like hand waxed, thread with two needles on the end that is three times the stitch length three to four times the stitch length depending on the thickness the simplest way which this is like dumbing it down is creating kind of like doing it like an infinity and creating tension in between each stitch and you pre-punch the holes with you know different tools there's all the you know details to get there but it is it's very time consuming and very meditative <laughs> because yeah. like that's what I do. I'll just sit there and I got, you know, something playing in the background or podcast going or whatever. But, um, and then the machine now I say it's less time consuming, but I fight with my sewing machine a lot. And yeah. I God, I feel like I spend half the time adjusting the tension. So I also like get annoyed with the sewing machine a lot. So that's probably why I'm so partial to saddle stitching. There's a little bit more control. <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I was impressed whenever I was looking at your website earlier and saw that, like, I mean, I assumed that you made the bags yourself, but, you know, I didn't really look into it until a little bit earlier. And I was like, that's impressive. Like, I can't even, like you talked about having to go to bag making classes and stuff. Like, I can't even imagine what it takes to make a bag. Like, It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, there's more, it's not just like, leather and lining there's fillers and there's a lot of glue you know (laughs) and I'm very specific about like all of those things for you know mother earth here who we got to respect a little bit right (laughs) and then on top of that it's also about skiving the leather using like thinning it out to create make it you know more workable create it a little thinner um there's a lot of and then hardware there's different types of like uh, stabilizers and, and different types of adhesives to keep it from mm. some like that. there's other things to keep it all holding it together i mean there's the whole inside of a bag is a whole different world <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow 
yeah, it's it's a process. It's it's fun, you know. It's uh, building something. It's cool to build something from here to make it real. I bet. Yeah. It's a process. The patterns are honestly for me the most challenging part is pattern making. I'm yeah. very uh, detail oriented and I always have these crazy ideas and then I'm like, how am I going to make this into a freaking product? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so it's fun. That's cool. Um, I know you're like it says responsibly sourced on your, like at your Instagram, I think your website says it too, responsibly sourced and ethically produced. So I'm just curious, like, what does that mean for, for your business? So I find, I found all of my leather suppliers through leather working group. Leather working group is an organization that basically checks like they had they audit different tanneries all over the world and you know some of the existing issues in leather is you know like the use of water uh making sure to recycle it after you know like it, there's different methods and um it's very deep there's mineral tanning there's chrome tanning there's vegetable tanning there's a there's a lot there there's a lot of chemicals. And so when it goes through like different processes, which I won't even begin to explain how much I don't understand it. <laughs> There's a lot there that I don't understand, but I know that these tanneries are audited for their practices. Now there is also like a transparency rating for like where the skins are coming from and how the animals were treated. And I know other working group, I believe is like, they they give you like how how transparent they are with where they're where the skins are coming from right mm -hmm. and a lot of and i don't know i know you're you are vegan but one of the things about leather that i think is like highly misconstrued and we can't say a lot of things are recyclable because they're not but leather is circular the meat industry at this point is so vast that there are so many skins that are getting tossed and burned and that in turn creates a hole in our ozone layer. Like it's terrible for, our, for us in general, but like, mm -hmm. so this utilizing the skins while the meat industry is this fast until the meat industry changes, leather needs to be used right in the best way possible. So that's why I consider it circular, but yeah. So I've done a lot of research on all the skins that I've used in the past and where they're coming from and trying to continue to make sure that the ones that I am using are as responsible as I can get right now, you know, and they're, they are rated like, you know, bronze, silver, gold. Um, and then, it, and it's all based on different, uh, there's like a whole grading system there. So it's really cool. It's cool. And you have like, um, a no scraps. Oh my gosh. Or something like that. Yeah. You should see my closet. Yeah. <laughs> I just never know. I'm like, I can't get rid of it. When it's like, I'm not a hoarder, but I have, I hoard leather. Mm -hmm. um, so in turn, that was, I was like, what am I going to do with all this leather? So I started making art, like little pieces of art. Yeah. I did really cool eyes and mm -hmm. different scraps of leather. And um, then I started just like painting on them. I haven't even put those out there yet. I've got like a stack going of things. I've just started painting leather. And so I'm trying to find multiple uses for them because I am literally like racking up an entire like landfill of like uh -huh. 
when we move and y'all know every time we move my husband's like right. what are these bins and I'm like oh that like those like 10 Tupperware bins of like you know 30 gallon bins that's leather oh my god <laughs> So yeah, so I keep all of it um, and whatever there are sometimes like I've worked with um, hat makers, uh, like milliners that mm-hmm. I'll, if they want, I'll send them some scraps and they'll use them like in hat details, like, uh, like, you know, kind of like holding feathers down or yeah. something. Yeah. So anybody needs leather scraps, please DM me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot and it's high quality leather. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. To lighten it up a second, I mentioned I was in the textile program at LSU just for a hot second because I like went from like pre-med to psychology and then I was like, maybe I'm more marketing. And then while I was in marketing, I was like, oh, a minor in fashion design, you know, I ended up in human resources, which works for me. You know, I'm yeah. I'm not a fashion designer. But while I was in the fashion design program as my minor, I took the textile class with, I think his last name was Chen, something like that. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming you took that class as well, where like yeah. at the end of the semester, we had like that textile book and it was like an end of the semester project where we had to put it together. And of course, I waited till like the day before to do it, which was suicide. Like, how much did you hate that project? Because it still haunts me. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, so it was meant for you. See, me, I was like, this is fucking idiotic. I hate it. I have my book, actually, in like a bin somewhere. That's so funny. So Holly, what it was is it was like, from the best of my memory, it was like a bunch of swatches and you had to like match them to what type of textile it was. And like, I was just fucking clueless. I was like, I don't know. It was was huge, too. I mean, we're talking like thick book. Yeah. 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 I still have mine. That's so funny. And that was when I fell in love with tweed, like really understanding tweed. Okay. <laughs> so good. That's good to know that for, for people that are meant to be in fashion, um, it was a good class. Cause I think that was probably whenever I knew I needed to change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I know. But yeah, I would love to talk about, um, stuff you've been sharing on Instagram. Holly, sure. you have a couple questions about that. I think you posted like the last like three weeks. You like the first one is the one that really caught my attention because you were kind of admitting like, hey, I haven't been on here in a while, which is not like me. Um, and this is what I want to do. Um, you were saying you wanted to be more transparent and build the community. Um, and then, like you said, you've talked about inconsistency versus creativity, self-doubt. Um, so I'm just curious, like what brought on this idea for these like weekly conversations? What's your goal? Um, you also, I think you mentioned like, you you know, since you have, you had stepped back from Instagram and I don't know if that was because of Instagram, like you mentioned, it's really hard growing a business on here, which I mean, I feel like everyone that comes on the podcast uh, shares this sentiment. So I'm just curious, like about all how this started. How did it start? So I had, I get like really amazing followers and I'm like like where did you come from that like have bought for me in the past and I'm like like wow like how did you find me and I'm not ashamed to say that I have like boosted many posts and I still do to this day especially if it's like you know a timeline type of thing and I want to like get some trending stuff 
but um, I think it was a random follower when I first moved to the Midwest, just like commented, you seem really nice, but like you seem very unapproachable, like everything's very curated. And I was like, I'm like the most approachable person on the planet. So I was like, well, that's jarring. Nobody's ever told me that for the record. And so I was kind of like thrown back by it. And I was like, so I was like scrolling back and I am very, you know, that perfectionism is my trauma, right? Like, <laughs> like looking at it, I was like, yes, it's like very perfected. And that's very much, you know, I, I enjoy that though. So it's like, I also like don't want to take away from it. So hence why my, my video covers are very like on brand. Yeah. <laughs> but I realized that maybe I'm not showcasing who I am enough and that, and I think that's what was important is because like, yeah, at one point Roran was going to be a luxury brand and I didn't need to be the face of it, but like, I'm an artist trying to make cool shit and that is what this is about. And so like, I need to be here more. That was like, at first I was like, whether I'm talking about like what I'm doing or showing what I'm doing. However, I am not good at stuff like that. I cannot multitask and video myself and like do all that. It's just like when I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I was like, well, let me just talk to the camera, which is mortifying. (laughs) But I'm like, I'm going to do it anyways. And, you know, and I was like, let's do this to where it's engaging. And I just want to say what people are feeling and thinking, but nobody wants to admit it because Mm -hmm. it's hard to like admit that you feel this imposter syndrome or you feel this self-doubt because these are things that we tell ourselves you know, but like you would never tell that to your best friend or a fellow business owner. Like you would never talk to them like that. So like, why are we talking to ourselves that way? And there's so many things that we do, whether you're a small business owner or starting a new job or whatever it is where you feel this, like, God, it should even be here. I mean, gosh, my husband, I remember when he started, he was like, should I really be a CEO? (laughs) Like what? And I'm like, Yes, you're doing great. <laughs> but like, I'm not, I'm over here telling myself, like, I'm not great. Like, why am I doing this? Am I really that good? Or am I just like, like sliding by? But I am, I'm great. I'm doing good things. And I, but I wanted to be transparent about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole point is like saying the things that people are thinking, but are not willing to say it, you know, to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I really have a goal per se other than to just be present too. Yeah, no, I can relate to that because that's kind of how it is with the studio. You know, it's, I mean, yoga for all humans, it's in the name, but it's important that, you know, yoga is different for everyone, right? It's a different journey for all of us. And a lot of people feel like it has to be one way and that's, that's not the case. So that's kind of the message I've been trying to spread is that like, it's okay if you can't touch your toes. Like, it doesn't mean you're not doing yoga correctly. Like, if, if <laughs> go look at a video of me doing a forward fold. I don't fold very much. It's okay. Like, everyone's body is created differently and everyone's strengths are different. The weaknesses are different. Like, yeah, no, I love that. The comments have been great, but the DMs, like, I mean, I never thought that many people resonated, you know? And so- it's Oh, like, that's nice. You got a lot of responses to that? Yeah. Oh. 
like just like even like thank you for sharing and I yeah. mean even that means the world because it's like you really don't realize and even the people the people that DM are not they're not commenters right they're not willing to put themselves out there and that's okay like they're not yeah. there yet to like do that and yeah. it is it's hard. I mean it's hard this world I mean this world is hard <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna ask like how it's been received because I feel I don't know, Derek, how much like personal stuff you share on Instagram, but I I have gone through ups and downs with sharing like a lot of personal stuff. I share a lot of personal stuff on my blog more, but I've shared so much, like I'm pretty much an open book on Instagram, and it got to a point where people would not respond. Like I would be like, Hey, I'm about to be fired from my job. And no one would say anything. And I was like, what, why? Like, okay. So people that follow me just like, don't care. So I stopped posting. Like I only post now. I feel like just like drinks, what I'm watching on TV, my Etsy shop. Cause I'm just like, I, I don't want to put the weight into Instagram and I don't want to give my followers like that. Like, if you don't care, I don't care. So people that read my blog, I'll put stuff there. But I, it's definitely a battle with me because sometimes it's like I do want to share. But then I'm like, no, because I'll just get upset that I was like vulnerable and no one cared. Yeah. And I mean, I think with that, it comes it I guess it comes with balance, like making sure that I'm sharing the good and the not so good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess like, yeah, they want the aesthetically pleasing stuff, but like, it's nice to hear that you're struggling with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that misery does love company, right? So it's like <laughs> people, people are struggling. It's nice to know that somebody you think has everything nailed down into a T is also struggling and in their own right, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was important. Uh, I, and I guess that's why, because I mean, I do, I still post the perfect picture I still post the stories and you know my stories are I swear more just for me to share everybody's stuff that I follow but (laughs) that's like that's how I do that yeah I don't know I think it is about finding that balance too and maybe people get sick of it we'll see you know like we'll see how it's how it keeps getting perceived earlier whenever I was perusing your site there was two things that stuck out to me. So it's kind of like a combo question. One, I noticed that a lot of your bags are sold out. So I was curious if they'll be making a return. And then two, how do the custom commissions work? Cause that, that sounds cool. I, my, my dog got really sick a few months ago. <gasps> and uh, so I kind of took a break from the studio and it wasn't really, I haven't really been making things. She's doing better. Okay. She wasn't able to walk up the stairs for a bit. And my studio yeah. is on the second floor of my house. So like, yeah, she would like lay at the bottom of the stairs and like cry. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And she used to like lay in here with me all day. And yeah. my thing with being in the studio is like, I, I can't do short windows. And she was also on fluids for a while. So like, um, I would have to like break up my time to like make sure to take care of her since I, I mean, obviously I work from home, but um, it was, uh, it was, it was a time of uh, taking a break from the studio for a bit. So that's why I'm like very minimal on my inventory right now. Okay. But I've been getting back in the studio this week um, and we've got some really cool collaborations coming up, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear she's doing better. You know, my dogs are my kids. y'all. I'm like obsessed Love- with 
I have two as well. Holly has her her child Blanche. But... Yeah, I have a cat, and like, oh my gosh, I, I like that was my thing. Like when I got my job working from home, I was like, yes, I can be with Blanche again. And like, I feel like the first week of my new job, she started going under my bed because I kept going in there and being like, "Hi, I'm on a break. What are you doing?" <laughs> and she was probably like, "When are you gonna leave?" <laughs> I don't here. Yeah, here I thought like this 10 months that I was working retail that she was like at home so sad without me. So I was just so excited. I'd be like, do you want to have lunch together? And she's like, I'm actually going to stay under the bed the whole day. That's trained humans, essentially. I mean, no, I totally get it. Yeah, no, my my dogs are my kids. They're they're downstairs with my husband. But he uh, but yeah, so. I took a little time away, which I think I also needed because I was feeling yeah. really stagnant and focused. And that was when, you know, I was like, okay, now I need to make some money. So let's take my freelance work that I've been doing for four years and turn that into a business. Um, you know, instead of like going out and getting a part-time job, my solution is let's make it a business. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that's how I work. So I've been focusing on that a little bit and it's been going well. And um, now... I am trying to get back in here and work on some things. And I kind of, that was when I started kind of resituating what I'm doing. So I have these like really amazing things in my head that I want to make that will be like, you know, for sale. And then the custom commissions are typically my saddle stitch pieces, but I'm kind of opening that up for, you know, anything, you know, like literally anything can be custom. It can be on the machine. If, if you, if you've got a budget or like, if you want to customize a piece of art, like a commission, a piece of art, you know, it can, it can be whatever, you know, and it, it, it recently has transitioned to the, into that. I used to take only 10 to 15 saddle stitch commission pieces a year. And mm. for the first three years, they were selling out mm. This is the first year. They're not. And I was like, Oh my God, like what is going on? And I mean, obviously there's a reason for that. I've uplifted my life a few times in the last couple of years and a lot of things have happened. I haven't pushed it because I haven't been able to get in here, but um, custom commissions were like my revenue for a while. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a hard pill to swallow this year being like, okay, well, I'm just going to embrace that and hope the next year is for the best. Anywho, the (laughs) commission pieces are anything like, I've had quite a few clients come to me with their own skins. Like there are a lot of people in Texas, which is a a lot of my custom clients that um, work with different conservations in Africa and they shoot their own uh, game and they have the skins tanned and then bring them back to me to create something magical with them. I do not do boots. I should just say that out there. There are many people (laughs) not me. Um, but I do bags, different bags. And I have to say that cause y'all are in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll be getting calls for some, some yeah. real cowboy boots up in here. Yeah. You'd be surprised, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I do get, um, people bringing me that and usually they want one of my, you know, like one of my existing styles in sure. their skins, or sometimes mm-hmm. they want, you know, a huge, alligator tote bag or you know i'm creating a pattern all the way to the full product sometimes it's existing sometimes it's a piece of art it just depends it's very open Um, yeah 
but the the process is very personal. I get to know each person that's doing a custom commission. It's very hands-on. And it's, I mean, I build a relationship with every person to do it with. Like it's very personal for both of us. So, um, and it takes time. It's not something that's going to ship in a week. It's something that's going to take a few months. And so it's, it's, um, it's kind of my favorite part <laughs> yeah. uh, because I love building relationships with people as well. Um, and I love the creative journey that goes with it. I also love the creative journey of just like creating something that I just want to make with no stipulation. So I think that's like, this is kind of like the best of both worlds right now. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool if you're like a hunter or you're like, you were with that for like every step of the way, like, and that's probably a piece you would keep forever. Like that's, I can see the appeal of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very uh, heirloom quality pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My last question is, Cartier, is that your husband's last name? Yes. So did you ma- did you marry him for his fashion name? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Plus, who wouldn't want ETC as their initials? Yeah. <laughs> oh, true, true. I just thought it was so funny because I was like, of course. Because I for a while I thought it was Carter. And then I was like, no, it's Cartier. Like yeah. this fancy girl. <laughs> yeah. So no connection, no connection there. No, there's no connection. Uh, maybe deep, deep, deep down the line, I there could be. I don't think there is, though. I'm kind of hoping I would have discovered that by now. We've been, <laughs> We've been together almost 19 years, so wow. <laughs> yeah, we were we dated for 11 years, then we got engaged. We eloped to Costa Rica a month later, and we've been married for eight years now, coming up in October. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I always like want to impart wisdom. I don't know how wise I actually am, but I feel like I always want to impart wisdom and just encourage people to do like, if you want to, if you think about it and you're like, oh, I want to do something like this or like, just, just do it. I don't know. Yeah. Just try. But like I said earlier, like, don't, mm-hmm. I'd rather regret not like doing it than not doing it. Yeah. I definitely, I like that. Yeah, especially if it's not, I feel like so much of, so much of uh, those instances are not things that are like huge financial undertakings or, you know what I mean? Like maybe it is, but for example, it's like, if you are like, oh, I want to take a class or, oh, I want to learn how to be a better public speaker or whatever. It's like, for me, it's not like you're like, oh, I'm going to invest millions of dollars in this thing. And if it doesn't work, I'm really going to be screwed. You know, you don't have to. I mean, I'm a solopreneur, you know, I just learned that term recently. Cause like I literally <laughs> the only person in both of my businesses, I do everything for my businesses. Do I outsource help when needed? Yes. I am terrible at bookkeeping. Like I can't, there's certain things I can't do. And so when I need help, I outsource that. Like I, I usually work with really amazing photographers. I don't photograph all my stuff. You know, I like, you once you get there, you'll be able to do that. But like, I was actually had coffee with a new friend today who was really she's, you know, trying to take off on her own. And she like up and quit her job. And she's like, Okay, I'm gonna do this. And but she's trying to figure it all out. And I'm like, this is this is the time where you you ask for help. You see who's willing to trade with you. You see what you can pop online, learn really quick, 
just to get to that first piece of clothing that she's trying to make, make that first piece of clothing, get that, get it beautifully photographed, figure out how to market it. And your goal is to spend what you're going to sell that for that one piece. If you sell that one piece and you've, you're back at ground zero. <laughs> yeah. But like in that, if, if you can do it like that, you can bootleg it the whole way. You've got it. You know, it's, it's really about just like giving it a try because you never know what's going to happen. Well, where can the people yeah. find you? Where do you want to send the people to, to look you up? I'll send, yeah. I'll send everybody to what is Roaring and it's W H A T I S R O R I N. Cause I'm pretty sure my other one is in there somewhere on my profile page. Yeah, it is. Or you can go to www.rorin.us. .us, okay. Because com, .com was taken, sorry. Really? <laughs> hmm. And it's like $10,000 and I can't afford that, so. What? Wow. Well, it was fun. It was so nice getting to know you more. Uh, well, thanks for letting me flap my jaws. Sorry if I talk too much and you have to crop a lot out. No, no, it was great hearing your story. Um, I am going to be on the lookout for when your bags, because I was eyeing your, I love your Sula Poof bag. Oh, yeah. Same stuff for my mom. Like all the different colors. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're all so pretty. I do. I know I'll probably make a few and do some really funky linings on the inside. And yes, that would be fun. Yeah. Thank you all so much for having me. I love the pod. So keep it up. It's really great. If y'all need any people, I've got a list. Well, have a good night. Tell Rory we said hey. (laughs) I will. Well, bye. Have a good night. Y'all too. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulias7, also on TheBitterLemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour. Or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.